Dave Fleming is not only a senior professional pickleball player, but he's also the brand ambassador for Major League Pickleball, and he's a comedian too, even having a show on Broadway. This is a really interesting podcast where we even talk about how comedy relates to pickleball and how some ideas from it can help your game. So let's get to the intro to hear from Dave. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Dave Fleming. How are you doing today, Dave? Fantastic, Lynn. Thanks for having me on. Now, I know there's so many directions we can go with this interview today, but I do always like to start with how you started first playing pickleball and how long ago that was. Yeah, it was uh, the most uh, interesting thing. I've played high-level tennis all my life. One of my partners on my uh, USTA team here in, in the Dallas area's wife ran the rec program at their church, and she said, hey, you guys should come play pickleball. And I said, I have no idea what you just said. And so we showed up at the gym and my first experience was serving and volleying on a wood floor. Didn't know a single rule, but we laughed the entire time. And I said, that was fun. And then people explained this kitchen thing. And I thought I was playing a game of Clue or something, but I was like, okay, we got it. And it just started this gradual shift from we played some more. It was fun. It was different. We'd all grinded tennis all our lives. And then we started to get better. And then we were told where the good players were, which definitions of good in every part of the country are different. So we started playing on a tile floor at the Salvation Army in McKinney, Texas. And we would go and play for five hours and it was the greatest thing ever. And I couldn't wait to go. And ironically, Adam Stone would also show up there. And that's where I met Adam. And uh, we both saw each other, uh, batted eyes at each other. That guy looks pretty good. And uh, now we've, Adam and I have gotten to some pretty, awesome places in this sport. I'm so proud of him. He just won the PPA championships out in Las Vegas. So we've been uh, brother in arms in this journey. And we go all the way back to tile floors with 5,000 lines in the court and having the greatest time at a Salvation Army. That's why the sport is awesome. It is awesome. And I do have to ask you, how long ago was that? Because I left the Dallas area in 2018. And like you at that, I don't know when you started, but I had never heard of pickleball till I got to Connecticut. So that was 2017, I believe. Yeah, four or five years ago. And I can definitely relate to uh, sliding around on actually in this case, a, a gym floor, because it's getting pretty cold here in Connecticut. Uh, that must have been even slippery, more slippery on the tile floor. Yeah, you cut that. That's that sucker's off and running. So uh, and there's just the people were awesome. And we would play 
until 12, one in the morning because we didn't know any different. So it was fantastic. How is the sport doing now? Roll ahead of four years plus. How's it going in, in the Dallas area? Is it growing like everywhere else? Absolutely. I think the basically the lowest common denominator a lot of places isn't desire, it's courts. I don't know a single person that's quit playing pickleball, which is another uh, reason why this sport is so awesome. So it's, oh, okay, I love this. I want to play. People get obsessed. One more game is the thing. Are there enough courts to handle that? And those are growing. There's uh, some really great women's league play that has cropped up at a bunch of different clubs. And Dallas is rising. Obviously, we have one of the PPA tournaments here that is a major event and more and more small tournaments. So I think with the number of people, the number of athletes, the number of great tennis players in this town, it's just going to it's going to be exponentially larger in 12 months time from now. But I'm happy. We got a lot of good players in town. It's great for the sport. So where is the place to play right now in the Metroplex? There's a few. There's, uh, I appreciate that City Parks and Rec have done that. Capel, McKinney have put in courts. People are playing in Arlington. People are playing out in Oasis. Out in Rockwall is where the Texas Open was played. I don't think that there is the place. I think it's what's what's most convenient for you and the crew you play with. But I think in a little while, I would bet you will have some marquee things. We have two different chicken and pickles coming to town. It's just things like that show me that, okay, Dallas is, uh, is getting to where other cities are. And that's awesome and exciting for me. It definitely makes me want to go back and live in that area, no, no doubt. But at least you're not playing on the tile floors anymore, so that's a <laughs> definite plus. This is this is true. All right, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about Major League Pickleball. There's probably a few listeners, I would imagine, who is not familiar with what that is. So tell us a little bit about it. So Major League Pickleball just completed season one and it was a wild success so it was the first fully organized team event and i called it it was like uh, the Ryder cup or the davis cup of pickleball i hosted the draft so there were players drafted onto eight teams and those eight teams of four so two men and two women showed up in uh, at Dreamland. So where else would you want to have uh, great pickleball but at Dreamland that's out in Dripping Springs, a suburb of Austin, Texas. And these eight teams came down there. Some people had played together. Many of the teams had not. And all of the camaraderie and all of the things that you remember if you played team tennis in high school or college or any team sport that you played came to life and took the ball for the first time that I'd ever seen it. And we had high profile owners like Brene Brown, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, 
James Blake, the tennis player, and many others in the Austin area and, and, and across the country. So we had that involvement. And then the greatest thing we had of all was the format. So each team played each other team. And so they had seven matches. There was a men's doubles match, a women's doubles match, and two mixed doubles matches that uh, was one game to 15, win by one. So we had some incredible barn burners at 15, 14 that were epic. If it went 2-2, though, Lynn, we went singles tiebreaker. And the singles tiebreaker was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was a thrill to be on the broadcast of these because it was rally scoring number one, but we also rotated the player after four rallies. So your team of four, whoever goes first plays four points, next person on is like a batting order in baseball. We had men versus women and our MVP, Lee Whitwell, was smoking left-handed passing shots past men like Deckel Barr and Jay Davillier, and the eruption from the crowd to see the great men and the great women in the sport and the women winning singles points was awesome. The final was amazing on uh, Monday night. It was live on CBS Sports Network. I had the great privilege to call that. And if you haven't watched this Pickleball Nation Go look up these matches, Major League Pickleball's Facebook and YouTube pages, because it's the most energy I've ever seen at a pickleball event. And Lee Whitwell was quite the story. She ended up being the MVP, didn't she? She sure did. Unbelievable. She was the oldest player in the tournament, and she played with the youngest, the phenom Annalie Waters, and those two made quite a pair. Yeah, Annalie might have a new partner there. <laughs> She's used to playing with someone named Lee. It just uh, so happened that her mom was drafted on another team. She had a new mama Lee for a few days, and that worked out very well. Now, in, in terms of the draft and this being season one, the, really the season was very short, if you think about it, right? What are the plans for the future? Yeah, so we're having calls literally over the next uh, week to 10 days. The enthusiasm coming from this. We had the players mic'd up as well on the telecast. So you got inside the huddles of what they were thinking, strategy and all of that, which was incredible. So we're going to take the good and tweak uh, the opportunities and come back with season two. Will there be a redraft and other things? We'll see. But the momentum from season one and and the intention is just to have it be a an event over four days and uh, bring all the best players there and play this very unique very crowd-friendly format so do you think season two will be a few months away or a year away I would think we'll try and find something in the first half of uh, 22. There's calendars and finding good places for that with all of the tournaments out there. But this is something I know the players love. More to come, Lynn. I'll have to come back on the podcast and tell you all about it. All right. Good. Hopefully, I'll get you on much sooner and uh, we can do a a good job of promoting the uh, season two. Love it. 
All right. Now, one of the things I didn't even realize when I asked you to come on the Pickleball Fire podcast was that you have a background in comedy. And it's interesting because I, I think I listened to your interview with Morgan Evans and uh, you had been at the Dallas Comedy Club. And like I said, I'd been in the Dallas area for 25 years. And I know I've never ran across you at the Dallas Comedy Club. But tell me that story. Yeah, the the main reason that I started doing comedy is because I've been in marketing all my life. So I've I've worked in Orlando with Disney, not for, but with, did a lot of team building and special events there. Then I've run the marketing for big brands like Dr. Pepper and Snapple, Pizza Hut. So when you have those jobs, you're often uh, asked to present in front of large groups of people and Anyone who's sat in an audience with a uh, executive on stage, it's absolutely brutal if there isn't some energy and some fun. And so that's what I always did. So I was always asked to make those presentations. I'm like, if I'm always doing this as air quotes, part of my job, wouldn't it be fun to get paid to be funny? And since I worked in corporate America, I decided corporate America shall be my canvas. So I just started writing down in every meeting that I was in what I thought was funny about what was going on around me in the office. And instead of doing straight stand-up comedy, I wrote a one-man show called Man Versus Office, which is all the funny stuff about break rooms. Why are people stealing my lunch every day? Why are they... Why on earth are, do you think it's a good idea to put your day-old fish in the microwave on high? Uh, emails, conference calls, what we wear, how we talk. And so I wrote an hour and 20-minute show called Man Versus Office. And it was something that everyone could relate to. And I think that's when comedy really works well. So I worked on the material for about a year. And then I've probably presented the whole show over a hundred times, once on Broadway, which was awesome at the Snapple Theater. It's that was truly a a labor of love because when you walk out there the first time and all these people came to show up and laugh, there's a lot of pressure on the pickleball court, but there's a lot of pressure on that stage. But once you get that going, there's no greater rush to hear people laughing at what you have to say. So how long did it take you to get your comedy career going and what was that process? So it started out going to open mic nights, Lynn, and I would, I just like, I got to get stage time. It's no different than I got to practice my backhand dinks. And I would go to open mic nights and there'd be 44 people there to perform. And I didn't have any connections in comedy. So I would go 42nd. Out of 44, there would be four people in the audience. Three of them would be comedians who'd never stepped foot in an office and didn't even know what I was talking about. And I was awful. I was awful at first because there's a bright light in your face. You're not used to any of the surroundings, but I had to do it and I knew it was going to be part of the process. So I was a, a solid one five comedian 
if you want to use pickleball ratings for about a month. And then I kept getting better. And then I had a big leap forward once I got comfortable and there were more people. And then what was interesting for me from the comedy club folks is I brought a different audience to the table. So I started getting Friday and Saturday opportunities. And then I said, well, I really don't want to do stand up. I want to do the whole show. And once I felt confident enough to do the whole show, I did half of it about six months later and then said, I'm ready to, I'm ready. We'll lend a brother and get on that tightrope and go and went for it and had, had a lot of success with that. And it was a lot of fun and still is fun when I do comedy. So uh, I don't do it very often anymore, but it was quite, quite the journey and quite the introspective journey because it's, you're out there and there is no net. Which is one of the benefits of playing pickleball. Indeed. You do have that net. But actually, I want to bring that that comedy thread to the pickleball thread because you, you did mention a couple things. And, and there are some similarities between the two because obviously they're both performance situations. And you as a senior pro and as a comedian, talk a little bit about what you learn from your comedy experience that you take onto the pickleball court. Yeah, it's that trust of yourself. And I think the number one thing is the preparation. So if I'm going to play a pro match against the best players in the world, I can't suddenly wish I had perfected a new shot or worked on a weakness. I needed to have already done it. Same holds for the material that I'm bringing to the comedy stage. Did I do enough work to find the exact combination of words and know where the punchlines are, know where to stop and let the laughter breathe? Did I do the work to ensure that I'm going to get that? And it's no different than did I do the work to have that new attack that I've been working on that no one's seen before? So the preparation, number one, and then the, the just... The, the self-drive, you got to be driven internally only to go do the comedy. There's no one else. I don't have anyone writing it for me. And obviously the presentation is 100% mine. And, and same holds pickleball. Obviously there's a lot of doubles, but still it requires you to show up and be ready and believe in yourself and have the confidence to go do it. But I think the the most, the thread to use your term is that preparation. You got to do the work. Everybody sees us on the court or everybody sees me on the stage, but it's the hours off that are the key to success on. Given everything that you do in pickleball, it would seem that you would have very little time to really be able to prepare for tournaments, which you are definitely still playing in. So what is your prep time? I People ask me a lot, do you teach? Do you do all of these clinics and so forth? And I, to your point, I don't have time. I wish I, I could. I love sharing my view of the game and, and seeing people join the game. So when I'm on the court, I'm um, drilling or playing and when i'm playing i'm always bringing 
a opinion of what I want to work on to that particular recreation game. So it could be I'm returning all sliced backhands. I'm going to be very aggressive at the kitchen line. Whatever something new is that I'm going to try. When I'm playing tournaments and nationals is coming up, I'm going to be drilling three days this week that, that we're talking about. I find the timeline because I will not shortchange it because I know the benefit. And that means I'm going to not be able to binge succession tonight. And that's okay. <laughs> and we'll find time for that great HBO show another time. That's right. Everything streams nowadays. So you have uh, so much opportunity to watch it. Exactly. Now, is everything pretty much at this point in your life all about pickleball? Do you still have your full-time corporate type job? Yes, I do. So still uh, very happy to lead the accounts of a major uh, ad agency with clients like Anheuser-Busch and Keurig Dr. Pepper and many others. Lots of balls in the air, Lynn, but I'm just elated to have found pickleball to be able to be the the creative uh, force and the competitive force in my life that enables me to use all the things that I've had the privilege to do prior to pickleball, that being tennis, corporate America, and comedy. And it just take those three things and then put them into this sport that's on a rocket ship and play a role in that has been the greatest blessing. It's uh, been an amazing journey, it sounds like, for you. And I know there's much more to come, but uh, I do always like to ask when I've got a pro on the Pickleball Fire podcast, which pickleball paddle do you use and why do you like it? Yeah, so I use uh, Selkirk Mach 6. And the reason I use it is I... I am one of the few senior pros that consistently hits a two-handed backhand. Almost everything, including dinks. I'm one of the very few senior pros that dinks two-handed. And I've hit a two-handed backhand since I was five years old. This was not a new idea. I hit a two-handed backhand in ping pong, for heaven's sake. Required me to have a paddle with a longer handle, which that does, and that just works perfectly for my game and the two-handed backhand is an interesting part of my game it's become such a uh, sort of a focal point in what I'm known for and yet when I first started back to the beginning of this conversation I was told get rid of that hand and play the sport out front and take that left hand off the paddle and that was the worst advice I ever got the great part about pickleball is there isn't a right way to play pickleball there's a right way for you to play pickleball and you see it in all shapes and sizes, including at the highest level. So someone tells you not to do something, you should still try it and see if it can work. So Mach 6 is great, tuning it back in, dinking, volleys, big drives. I love it. I know we're talking pickleball here, but I can't even imagine putting two hands on a ping pong paddle. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And I think, ironically, that helped me with pickleball because I've done that forever. And it just... It was a similar type of stroke. So uh, very fortunate. I know there's a lot of really good ping pong players that play pickleball and have that sort of wrist action from ping pong that really helps them, especially at the kitchen line. 
All right. I'm going to finish up here today. And I just want to say that if somebody is uh, looking for you on the pickleball court, you do have certain colors that you like to wear. (laughs) Yes. It's, I'm a brand guy, as I mentioned, and I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, Lynn. 90% 90% of the time, and, and that's probably a low percentage, I'm going to be wearing the black and gold of my city. So all of our sports teams wear black and gold, which is the only one in the, I'm going to say in the world, that's certainly in America, the Penguins, Pirates, and Steelers all wear black and gold. So I make it easy because I always wear a gold shirt. And if I have friends, family, fans, whatever, that want to find me, it's very simple. Where's Where's the little 5'8 guy wearing the Steeler hat and the gold Selkirk shirt? That's where he's going to be. All right. I don't know how you do when the Dallas Cowboys games are on. Being that you're even in Dallas, that must be pretty tough. It's not hard at all to cheer against them. (laughs) Yeah, Steelers till I die. All right. Dave, thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. I really enjoyed the interview and thanks so much for your time. My pleasure, Lynn. Congrats on this burgeoning pickleball fire podcast of yours and a thrill to be on it with you. So congrats to you and best to you with everything you have going on in pickleball. And thanks for growing it from your end. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 